big rocks and all that sort of thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, welcome to uh, another episode of the most fact-filled non-piss-taking, trans-friendly... Totally serious. Totally serious podcast, the Mick Wall Podcast, and my returning guest, by popular demand, ah. uh, Harry Patterson, the legendary Harry Patterson. Harry Patterson... Calm down, of guys. Su- ...of such books as Don't Look Back in Anger, uh, as uh, 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 Making Plans for Nigel as seen in classic rock, bass guitar magazine, power play, many other outlets. And the not crowd least this wild. One. Now, Harry, um, anybody that heard your previous appearance on the podcast will mm-hmm. know that you're also a political writer. Uh, I set you up as a prog expert last time, which is a bit unfair, because obviously you know way more about things than just that. But it is fair to say, I think, that you are. I mean, you're as a writer, as a commentator, personal appearances. You are and have been all of your life a very deeply committed political commentator and activist. I think that's a fair comment. I've been known to have the odd opinion or two now and again. (laughs) And you don't just talk it, you walk it. I like to think so. Yeah, definitely. Um, Now, uh, the question I posed to you was rock and politics. Sure. Uh, does it mix? Should it mix? Can it mix? Yes. Over to you. Yes and yes. Thank you and good night. <laughs> no, yeah, of course it should. I mean, Christ, this does this question does my fucking nutting. You know, oh, the woke brigade keep it out of music. I'm only here for the bands. Christ, you know, as if art wasn't. At its distilled essence, the expression of humanity in all its forms and guises, and yet somehow we're supposed to artificially brick off this one area yeah. of human, you know, existence, politics, and say no. So we're supposed to censor artists, are we? What bollocks! And and this is exactly the sort of thing that's coming generally from the reactionary elements of music's fan base that would scream about cancel culture and censorship and control. But when these pussies hear something they don't like, they want it shut down. They want politics out of rock music and indeed all art. I think the only measured, intelligent and rational response to that is fuck them. Keep going, Harry. I'm fixing my charger. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, so, yeah, that's basically it. I mean, Christ almighty. You know, you go back to the late Romantic period, Beethoven's revolutionary Ninth Symphony, you know, inspired um, by the idea of an egalitarian brotherhood 
a free association of humanity that would rise and usher in a new renaissance. And you can hear these guys today. Hey, I don't know, man. I only want to hear the music. Can we just quit with the politics? Well, what it's bullshit. I get a lot. Um, uh, I was going to say on Twitter, but I, I'm banned from Twitter <laughs> no, now. No, amazing. Permanently banned. Permanently banned. Rock calling, and roll. Uh, talking about politics, call, calling Boris Johnson a cunt. On multiple occasions, so I've been banned for hate speech. Twitter can't handle the truth. That's right. Meanwhile, uh, but when I was on Twitter and Facebook and with my old website, I mean, I get a lot of, whenever I should ever, ever express, even the mildest, like on this pod, for instance, um, when when Trump was in power and I'd make (laughs) fun of him, you get people in America almost exclusively, uh, absolutely sticking the boot into me and saying, listen, you know, stick to what you know about. <laughs> stick, <laughs> stick to what you know about. Leave the politics out, man. And I'm thinking, you mean Trump? You mean Trump? That is what they mean, yeah. Which is kind of self-defeating for them because if what I've said is, uh, yeah, it's, oh, God, that guy's so wrong. Then if I feel that about someone, then say to them, no, I think you're really wrong there, and then tell me why. But not just say, you don't count, don't give an opinion, you shouldn't give an opinion, because it differs to your fundamentalist uh, view. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the, the essence of it, isn't it? It isn't that these people want politics removing from rock music, or indeed all art. It's they want opinions that differ from theirs removing from rock and art yes that's uh, what they want yeah and we go how come the germans didn't stick up uh, uh, uh you know stand up to hitler well there's your fucking reason because 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 people hate people that are uh, on that side of things hate any form of disagreement debate absolutely i think it's because their ideas don't stand up to scrutiny anyway right you know personally i mean i suppose i would say that you know and i'm i'm holding my hands up metaphorically and literally even though you can't see me i am holding my hands up yes i am that woke guy i am that loony lefty yeah i am that you know that woke piece of shit snowflake <laughs> you know who supported such attacks on you know on our liberty and our humanity as a wage people could actually fucking live on, a national health service that would actually be funded properly. Mia culpa, I am that guy. But I'm happy to have the discussion. I'm happy to have that argument. These white supremacists, your Nazis, your Trump, your Trump lumpers, you know, <laughs> and even even the docile, servile, bootlicking, working class. Yeah. crackers that voted for yeah. Boris Johnson yeah. don't want to have the conversation because yeah. it can't be defended. Because people primarily, where people like Johnson and Trump are concerned, are voting on nothing than pure feeling and emotion. You can't take a step back and analyse and justify why people would vote for somebody that stands in direct threat to their own material interests. You just can't justify it. Um uh, recently, uh, one of my Patreon subscribers, uh, and it was a very fair inquiry and, and a fair observation, but it hadn't occurred to me until he said it, was he said something like, I didn't realise you were such a lefty. 
I mean, he qualified it. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. An, but it's I, actually shorthand now for not a total bastard. <laughs> well, actually, that was my feeling because I've never thought of myself as a lefty or a righty. And I said that. No more have I, and I've been a close friend of yours for you know decade plus two decades, whatever. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, my my default position is for nihilism, it, if anything. I think. <laughs> um, no, it was just not to be bracketed too strongly sure. with, with any group. Yeah, I think that's valid. I, I, I have a kind of allergic reaction you to do. being one of the crowd. Uh, that's not elitist. It is clearly some psychological deficiency or reason. But um, So it, for me, it wasn't left or right. It was just somebody tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. And wherever that truth is... That's me. That's where I want to be if sure. I can. And I was thinking about music and politics because I wanted to get you on to talk about it because who better to talk about it than you? Um, but I was thinking, well, where where did my, as it were, uh, I don't want to say, see, I don't even want to say engagement, but when did I first become aware of politics? And in fact, it was when I was, you know, like nine years old and uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono sure. would do bed-ins and uh, hairpiece or mm-hmm. hairpiece or um, and, and his songs, you know, like "Merry Christmas, War Is Over." Mm-hmm. So this is Christmas. Yeah, and what, what have, have you done? Do- have you done? Um, Give peace a chance. And Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, War Is Over. Now I didn't understand. I couldn't comprehend the nuances in that statement. Um, because as a nine-year-old, I, th- I thought, what war? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the war has been over since 1945, you know. Of course, now I get it. But um, but I think, th- so that for me, so I guess f- what I'm saying is, for me, music, politics, uh, of course they coexist, because music for me has always been about, um, at its best, I-, I love a toe-tapper, I love instrumentals, so it doesn't have to be this, but rock at its best, album music, artists that have something to say, to me are speaking truth to, to power. power. Amen, amen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the je- the very w- rock and roll at its essence, at its core, is rebellion, or certainly should have been. The Stones, the Beatles, you know, and then the whole 60s counterculture, all of those bands whatever sort of music they were playing, whether it was a kind of trippy West Coast hippie folk-inspired stuff or whether it was the psychedelic, you know, heavily amplified, mangled blues of Jimi Hendrix, whatever it may have been, the whole thing at its core was about rebellion. It was about rejecting the values that had gone before. Yes. It was about rejecting the world that the people that had gone before had built, had not so much built and that they had inherited, that they were cursed to receive. And the idea that now, I mean, you know, you listen to Roger Daltrey, won't get fooled again. And now you listen to the, the ridiculous Pratt whining his arse off about the Brexit that he voted for. Yeah. And, you know, there is that cliche that we all turn into our opposites. We all become, you know, reactionary and right wing as we grow older. But where's the sense? Where is the sense of of self awareness of somebody that could sing? They'll be fighting on the streets, you know, to the left and to the right. And now he's whining his ass off about Brexit and standing up for the material interests 
of you know the most privileged one percent of the population ridiculous that's not rock and roll man it just isn't well daughtry of course uh, didn't ever write any songs so those lyrics would be townsend's lyrics yeah fair but, comment but you know i think you could say what was it about the multi-millionaire <laughs> septuagenarian <laughs> that made him feel that you know we yeah. somehow all owe him an explanation for the latest inconvenience yeah you know? madness it's madness but the but when it comes to politics and music I must admit, when I was first buying albums, it, it, it was a hard subject for me to engage with. I, I, it didn't stop me trying, but I'll give you an example. You know, I loved, these are some of the very first LPs I ever bought. You know, I loved Ziggy Stardust. Oh, yeah. I loved Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. There are definitely, if you look at it, when I look at it now, I see quite obvious political uh, truths in those things. But... At the time, uh, it, you, for me, it would have meant going back to the early Dylan records yeah. to protest yes. songs. Uh, Lennon again, you know, give peace a chance, etc. Concert for Bangladesh. And then as I got a little older, you know, Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, that famous picture of him standing on stage in, in Jamaica with, I think, is it, is it Michael Manley? Was he the, he was either the leader of the opposition, I think. Yeah. And they're sta- a white guy, and they're standing on stage, you know, holding their hand, uh, um, clenched fist, clenched fist in the air, yeah. standing together. All those things made me uh, politically aware, even if it was just to a little degree. It made me um, aware that there was a connection between music that really meant something and real life. Absolutely right. Um, and so it was never for me, uh, I love you, you love me, oh, how happy we will be, baby, baby, baby. I, plenty of those songs I enjoyed and still do, but the stuff that I carried with me and thought about and inspired me to write lyrics or poems or stories or a journal or whatever it might be were those people that stepped out and really did try and spark something. What was a very young audience, very young audience. And then you get to this moment, particularly with, you know, the Thatcher years, where you've got people like Steve Harley. I I never really liked Steve Harley's music. I felt he was a poor man's Bowie. Um, But nevertheless, I had a couple of his albums. Mm -hmm. Um, Came out as a Tory, strong Tory, strong um Clapton and his oh, Christ, Enoch Clapton. Powell. Oh vomit. Ugh. Um, uh, right right to one of my all time you know the sacred cow for me at that age, David Bowie, who I would have you know, I would manoeuvre my way around any craziness he came out with to somehow make it okay. Mm-hmm. Even then when he arrived back in England in seventy six after being away in America for three years and at uh, was it Paddington? Yeah, he famously. I know where this is going. He Go gave the Nazi salute, yep. the Sieg Heil. Yep, and he talked about the coming Superman and what yep. Britain needs right now is a strong, yep. right wing yep. leader. Yep, I didn't entirely grasp what a strike wrong wing strong <laughs> strong right wing leader meant in those days, but I got the Hitler thing. Oh yeah, and I'm thinking, the I'm fuck. literally thinking, what the, the fuck? fuck? Yeah. Okay, you know, I remember. T- I remember. I had a 
an exchange with Charles Shaw Murray about this, who, as you know better than me, you know, Chaz and Bowie go way back. Um, Charles Shaw Murray, as I'm sure most people are, an absolute legendary rock writer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, here's to Chaz. Um, and this is this is not, I don't think, excusing or explaining it away. I don't think it was right. Well, of course I don't think it was right. It was fucking appalling. Let's let's call it out. It was appalling. But I do think people need to draw a distinction between people that do things for reasons other than a genuine commitment to a set of core ideals. Bowie, I think, is in... T- if you look at Bowie's career and his life, that it's clear that that's an aberration. Yeah, I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he thought it was a good idea. I, you know, I've never. I, I, I think cocaine came into the <laughs> equation. The th- yeah, absolutely. You know, but you you look at that famous clip of Bowie where he's talking. Um, he's giving MTV shit yeah. for not using for not you know playing black artists and not giving them exposure you know there's a whole body of work there's a whole lifetime of experience and there's a whole you know there's a whole human being there who i think if you look at his life and his work in its totality bo is clearly a progressive individual and he's not a fascist and i think also at that time um uh he he because of the cocaine and living in la um, he was very heavily into the occult at the time. Yeah, there's all that. The um, and of course the occult, uh, the, such a vast subject. But there is a sort of a branch of the occult which is associated yes. with swastikas and stuff. Yep. Although swastikas themselves are ancient. Exactly, they were reversed. They were the symbols of light in ancient Egypt and one or two other. Um, and, and in Indian faiths. culture, they offer they were often used at weddings. That's a, right. Yeah. Not that, of course, you know, we're going to try and pretend here that Bowie at Paddington <laughs> was, you know, celebrating some sort of Hindu wedding or anything. No, quite the reverse. But, but, but no, he was saying he was saying that Hitler was the first rock star. Yes. So I think in his cocaine Adult. zone, yeah. drawing pentagrams, yeah. staying up for five days. Yeah. He's kind of, I think, at that stage in his life, kind of wanting to go where no man has been before. And hence... And it all kind of culminates in a in a terrible way with the salute. Yeah, it was just because vile. it completely invalidated any correct any any endeavor he was involved in, whether it was a cult or drugged or not. Well, but, in one in one sense, he was lucky that he did it when he did. If he'd done it today, his career, quite rightly, <laughs> would be over. Would be over. Um, but I think there's a difference between, and I'm absolutely open to charges of hypocrisy um, if anybody wants to, to make them. But you can only go on how you feel, how you perceive these things. I think there's a big difference between Bowie and Clapton. Um, Clapton's made his millions off the back of the black man. Let's be honest about it, he has. I heard this appalling story, don't know if it's true. So for any litigious uh, legal eagles that may be uh, listening... It is alleged, I am informed, um, that Muddy Waters went out on tour as a support to Clapton back in the day. Um, he was literally at the back of the bus. He was treated like shit. He was cold. The man was ill. He was not really getting his due. Really? Um, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, um, I think it might. And again, I, I better be... 
I better not quote the book. I think I read this in because if I'm incorrect, you know, it might land as instant. What, what was the book? Can you remember? I can, but if I say which it is and I'm wrong and it wasn't in there, this oh, is see. what I'm saying. I don't right. want to put us in right. there. It was a Clapton biography, but, okay. but, but not, not an official not one. Not an official oh, one, okay. no. Did um, I write it? Uh, no, hey, <laughs> he's still here, folks, again all week. No, you didn't. Because um, no, I lose count. You yeah, know. I mean, it's not just that as well. I mean, there's obviously the Birmingham thing. And people can say, well, okay, you're making an excuse for Bowie because he was, you know, he was a co-caddled, you know, um, Egypt at the time. Clapton was smacked off his tits and was yeah. drinking two bottles of brandy a day. Yeah. What's the difference? If you're going to just look at the, the those examples in isolation yeah there isn't a great deal of difference although clapton made a long speech didn't he from the stage yeah he did you know Powell was right yeah and and i don't want you people in my country you know yada 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 you know again this is from a man whose entire career everything is built on the on the culture of the black man and also who's uh, as a solo artist i mean there was layla by Derek and the dominoes which was clapton but the the, that magnetic yeah dwayne allman yeah Clapton's first legitimate solo hit, big international hit, was I Shot the Sheriff. Exactly. His version of Bob, Bob Marley's. Marley. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not even just hypocrisy. You, you've got, you talk about Bowie, there's Clapton. I mean, you come right up to the, the present day, you look at that twat from Iced Earth, John Schaefer. I mean, what, you know, there he is, you know. We're, you know, at the, storming the capital, you know, next to that prat with the, you know, with the with the loincloth and the bull's head. I mean, it, what is it with these people? What is it with these people? I just genuinely don't get it, you know. I mean, Schaefer, I think it's fair to say, probably hasn't amassed quite the fortune that Bowie and Clapton right. respectively did. So you could argue there's a certain amount of literal detachment from the real world on the part of, you know, absolute global icons like that. But detachment in the sense of storming the capital. Exactly. Not really. Not really, eh? I mean, that to me seems... It's batshit. I I mean, say he'd gone on a march. Yeah. uh, Rock stars for Trump. You know, (laughs) you'd go, what a wanker. And then forget it, yes. But to actually take up... Arms, as it were, with a with yeah. a violent mob, yeah, and attack the that whole that whole terrible scene from January the sixth is mind blowing to me. Yeah, me too. Absolutely crazy. It's you know, and these are the people that accuse the left of cancel culture, right. you know, right. um, and trying to shut down debate right. and so on and so forth. Um, y- you look closer to home. We've talked about. Um, Bowie, we've talked about Clapton, Roger Daltrey's had a couple of little digs as well. Um, but my favourite probably is when you talk about people turning into their opposites, Johnny Rotten, eh? Interesting. <laughs> Johnny Actually, Rotten. that's a very good point. You know, I mean, here's the oh, anarchy for the UK, you know, let's kick against the old establishment, let's bring it all down, God, God save, save the Queen. Queen. It's a fascist regime. regime. She made you a moron, yada, yada, yada. Now, you know, um, I'm going to sell you butter. The Queen is fucking great. And Jesus, you know, what... And and Trump. He was a Trump. And a a Trump-a-lumper, yeah. You know, you can't take these people seriously. Well, I can't take these people seriously. Lydon coming out and uh, and speaking uh, uh, up for Trump was, I think, the... This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, Ted Nugent. Oh, k- k- Ted. K- we'll get on to Ted, Ted in a minute. We'll get on to Ted in a minute. on a bike. But um, you, there's no surprise at all to learn that no. Ted and Kid Rock want to kick some ass and be a trumper. Yeah. Um, Mr. President. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, bearing arms, you know. Let's pray. Um, but John Lydon, I, I've always found, uh, generally speaking, I've always found him to have an array of very interesting opinions. You don't have to agree with them, but they are th- many of them very thought provoking. Absolutely, and you get the feeling he's not playing favors particularly. He's he's actually telling it how he feels it and sees it. The Trump thing. My feeling was, and I obviously could be completely wrong, uh, but my feeling was that he, it was the first time, re- not, it wouldn't have been the first time, but it was the first time for me it was very blatant. He was sort of living up to this image of saying the thing that shouldn't be said. Yeah, quite probably. And I'm thinking, oh, you've, oh, that's not a good look. You know, that's. It's all very... I mean, God save the Queen, it's a fascist regime. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, it's it is. a strong piece of art. To come out and talk about Trump as, you know, a good idea, I mean... I mean, what on what fucking planet? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's almost... I can't even believe the words that you're about to hear are going to come out of my mouth. But it's... Ted Nugent, in this regard, almost has more integrity. Exactly. Because he has consistently been a right-wing twat. Yeah. And he has consistently said the same things and stuck to the same positions. Ted Nugent, you know, 30 years ago, did not give a shit how many kids got shot down in a school as long as Ted could keep his guns. And hunt animals. And and, hunt animals and do this and, you know, you know, you know, pass underage schoolgirls to his mates in the cops. You know, well, I'm sorry, you know, you're wincing there, but let's call it as it is. You know, if there is another if there is a better example of a nonce anthem than Jailbait by Ted Nugent, I have not heard it. This is a song in which this piece of shit celebrates, glorifies and triumphs in the gang rape of an underage schoolgirl. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, art, <laughs> ho, ho and ho. It's, you know, that that's Ted Nugent. That's all you need to say about Ted Nugent. But Ted Nugent has always been Ted Nugent. Yeah, that you don't, you, you, you're not puzzled. I'm not puzzled. You're not particularly t- puzzled no, you, by you, it. You are sickened. You are reviled. You are contemptuous. You are nauseated. You are turned off um, by Ted Nugent. But at no point are you puzzled by his utterances. You know, so scratch your head and you're like, 
hang on, Ted's taken a complete three uh, one eighty here. You know, yeah, you're never going to get that. But John Lydon, to me, it was such a it was such a shame because and, I, and this it was is a shame. me. This is me who, to my dying day, uh, 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 point out again and again and again what enormous wankers almost all rock stars are. Um, uh, Yes, even I was surprised by Lydon. I'm thinking, I really had to think. Mm. I was waiting to get the joke or to see the angle or to, to, to mm. you know, is he, is, he, is he provoking the woke generation? Yeah, is he, yeah, is yeah. he stirring yeah. up a... Is, is it contrarianism? In which case it was quite in keeping with Lydon throughout his, you know, his whole existence. Yeah. But whichever it was, it it, it landed badly. Well, I, I I think you hit you've used the right word. I my feeling is it was contrarian. How do you say it? He's being a contrarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah being yeah. a contrarian uh, uh, to draw attention to himself, which is what well, it a worked lot of in very that regard. <laughs> thick people in pubs do when they go. Well, I think Boris is a wonderful man, and then waits for people to get yeah riled up about it. Yeah, and I'm the I'm the sucker that always takes the bait. <laughs> so well, yeah. But to me, it was a cheap jibe. It was an easy point to win. It was for John Lydon to go, this will surprise you, that I'm in favour of Trump. It's kind of like, Johnny, that's not contrarian. That's ignorance. It that's is. really stupid old man shit. And not only is it stupid, ignorant old man shit, it's how shocked do you think people are going to be that comparatively, I say, I stress comparatively, a, a comparatively privileged white man, a millionaire, sti- Let's call and it a millionaire, property-owning millionaire, is sticking up for the material. Yeah, is sticking up for the material interests of another multi, multi, multi white millionaire. I mean, Jesus, mate, you know, oh, colour me shocked, you know. <laughs> but yeah, well, whatever. I mean, I think you know that, that it's littered. You know, art is littered with these people. Perhaps an interesting question is how much. If any at all, should that should these people's views colour our view of and response to their art? That is a wonderful question, and that that goes deep because whether it's painters uh, that have been dead for a hundred years, being yep. accused of being yep. paedophiles, or writers, or, or whatever it is, um, you know, Picasso is now is now reevaluated sure. because of his. By contemporary standards, his appalling attitudes to women, um, uh, and I, and so in that instance, I will go, okay, that's a conversation, but the art to me doesn't impact doesn't impact on my astonishment and appreciation of the art. However, with musicians and rock stars or pop stars or whatever, there definitely is, I think. Um, there are those that have come out politically, uh, ticking all the boxes that, that if, if if you invite me to give an opinion, I will have to agree pretty much with a lot of it. Yep. And I find a lot of them sanctimonious. They make me fucking cringe. And sometimes I hate their music. And I'll give you an example. And when I say hate their music in this example, this guy's done a couple of songs which, you know, I think are very, really interesting. And thank God there is someone like him that all through his career he's been staunchly political and of the left and the working class. I just don't like his music. Go on then. Billy Bragg. Oh, agreed. 
Agreed. I can't stand his music. He's done one track, Accident Waiting to Happen, which I really like. Um, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. It's so earnest. It's so, you know, heart-rendingly sincere. And it's and, and Billy's a genuine guy. Don't get me wrong. He's consistently. Oh, I, I don't doubt for a second yeah, that he yeah. means what he says. You know, and I agree with a lot of what he says. But it's so. Uh, yeah, it's not for me. It's not for me. If you want genuine, or I think genuinely exciting, passionate, and sincere, progressive working class music, I don't think you, I don't think there are many bands that can touch a Manic Street Preachers. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, what a band! I mean, how many people? Could you imagine would get to? I think it was a number one. It was certainly it was top five, definitely, with a song about fighting fascism in the Spanish Civil War. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hats off, boys. Hats off. That was just choice. Yeah, yeah, just brilliant. And then Design for Life. Yeah. I mean, you know, libraries that was number one. Libraries gave us power. Then work came and made us free. What and you know that's the R it's the Arbic my free thing, isn't it? You know. Uh, and, and, and people singing because that was number one for about three weeks and deserved it when people have... bought records yeah so absolutely it, so it meant something it sold shitloads and there were lots of people bought that because it was a great tune yeah absolutely uh, and probably wouldn't have not, probably didn't realise those were the you know, libraries gave they're probably thinking love is just a flower yeah. you know whatever yeah, it is absolutely but a great work but it gets anthem. in there yeah absolutely on an, on a similar note and what this we're moving away really i suppose from the sort of music that people would generally expect you and i to discuss um but i still think that a town called malice mm. is is a work of absolute genius from by an artistic yeah from an artistic jam, sense yeah. it's three and a half minutes it's got a f- okay the baseline was ripped off but you know what they say genius steals <laughs> you know talent borrows you know and it's it's got a great hook it's got that keyboard swirl you're tapping your toes like a motherfucker. Three and a half minutes, they are in. This is what it's like to be working class in Thatcher's Britain. Three and a half minutes later, ghost of a steam train echoes round my track, and they're gone in three and a half minutes. That's fucking genius. Yeah. It's really, really good. Contrast and compare with you too. <laughs> you know? I mean, Jesus Christ, I remember the Red Rocks album. You know, and the strident marching tones of Sunday Bloody Sunday. Oh. And it's like, oh. Sunday Bloody Sunday. That voice. Oh, I'm in such pain. You're going to like it or you're going to fucking loathe it, aren't you? But for a brief second, and that would have been, I think, well, Christ, when was Red Rocks? 82? 80, was it 83? Like, it was like, yeah. very early 80s, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So I'd have been, I don't know, anywhere between 14 and 16, depending when the record dropped. All I. You know, bodies scattered um, on dead end streets. And I'm like, wow, this no way is this band actually nailing their colours to a pro-Republican mass. <laughs> Surely not. And of course not. You know, this song is not a rebel song. Right. Fuck off, mate. <laughs> you know, you've written it. You know, at least own it. You know, this is about the massacre of civilians by the British Army. Yeah. That's what the song's about. How can it not be a rebel song? You're not in favour of it, are you? Well, because I think, you know, there you go. Uh, they were still empire building in terms of their career. Nice um, phrase in the current context, yes. Uh, and and what they didn't want to do... Was alienate anybody. Right. I remember I was in Finland in about 78 and we were talking to the local guy and um, he was talking about Finland's precarious position between the West and, and the Soviet Union at the time. 
And he, he, he said, the, the trouble is, when we bow to the West, and he literally you know, bent over, sure. when we bow to the West, we're showing our ass to the East. Mm-hmm. He said, we can't do that. So we have to kind of find a way to somehow navigate that. And I think you too, with their inc- overriding ambition to be enormous everywhere. Which they were, to be fair, they achieved it wanted their cake and eat it mm-hmm. so yeah of course it was a rebel song it was a protest song it was but he didn't want to didn't want to uh, and in fairness you know the the, the 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 Irish situation was so violent and volatile still is you wonder you wonder if he was just protecting his interests as it were from his point of view yeah maybe maybe you know because at that time the ira and still to this day but i mean i come from an irish rebel song family my my father had a humber car in the late 60s painted in the colors of the republican uh flag right and would get stopped by the police almost every day and still wouldn't do anything about it they used to call him paddy and what are you doing, Paddy? You off to set a bomb off, are you? Are you, are you actually implying, Michael, that there were an element of the <laughs> Metropolitan Police Force that were, in fact, racist, prejudiced, prejudiced and bigoted? And Surely not. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, but um, And there's still a terrible prejudice against the Irish today. Absolutely, yeah. But I think Bono, at that time, the early 80s, where Thatcher is being bombed in Brighton and, you know... Uh, Mount Batten gets killed and all the rest of it. You know, for him to come out like that, I wonder if he, there was an ouch moment where someone had a word in his ear and just said, listen, Bono, this is all very well if you want to stay in Ireland and be a fucking IRA-identified protest singer. Yeah. But if you want to be big in England and Japan and Europe... You've got to row back on this. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. You know, um... <sighs> That was, a, I mean, that whole. I'm not t- saying that makes it right. I'm no, just but saying- uh, yeah, th- that's the logic. I mean, that whole time, as you well remember yourself, was 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 just bizarre. I remember you talk. You know, you just mentioned there about you know the the Grand Hotel at the Tory Party conference in '84 where it got bombed, which was about a year after the Sunday Buddy Sunday record came, or two years. Yeah, ago. and about 75, 80 percent of the way through the miners' strike at the time. Um, and you were hearing. Well, I won't repeat what you what you heard on picket lines about that particular incident. Um, but it did give rise to some very interesting popular songs with some substituted lyrics, <laughs> which again we won't go we won't go into. But just to get it back on track about separating art out from the artist. So here's my thing on you two, just as an example. Um, I can't stand Bono for any price. I think he's. He's a sanctimonious hypocrite. I think them, he's just rank, isn't he? You know, and he's like so. I mean, they all love themselves, but he's super loved. Oh, him. he's just, he's just. But whatever, you know. I actually enjoyed and still do occasionally, once every couple of years. You break out the first four or five October. You know, war. Um, I can even stomach um, just before. But you know, when America, you could tell when they got bitten by America when the Joshua Tree yeah, came yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I, I did really like that. I still do. I, I, everything up until that point, I can listen to. Uh, certainly not with the with the passion that I once did. Mm. 
but it doesn't send me running to vomit. You know, it really doesn't. Not like the later stuff does. And you know that bollocks where, you know, I don't know if it's an apocryphal tale, where Bono stood on stage and oh. it's like, you know, right, do this. Gets everybody clicking their oh, fingers. Oh. Every time you click your fingers, a child dies. And then some wag shouts out, well, stop fucking doing it then. <laughs> you know, but... All that sort of stuff, you know, from a man who is absolutely minted mm. and was rumoured mm. to have sent a 747 all the way back to Ireland just to procure his favourite pair of sunglasses that he'd left in his fucking mansion in wherever uh, it was. You I know. think that <sighs> might be apocryphal. The story I heard was it was his hat. Was it his hat? Yeah. Right, OK. But, but again, it yeah. was his special hat. Yeah. Of course, of course. But, but yeah, I can separate. I can separate out the art. But here's one. Let's go really. Let's let's be really serious. Um, lost profits. I cannot, and it isn't even principle. It isn't even that once Ian Watkins was convicted of what he did, and we all found out what he was and what he'd done. It wasn't even a conscious decision. Right, I'm not listening to anything by this band anymore because ultimately, at the end of the day, he was one guy. The rest of the band, you know, that's you know, but it was just an instinctive, visceral right. reaction. Right. You know, I've got children. You've got children. I just didn't even want. I just couldn't. You, I, you couldn't. I couldn't listen to this man no. singing anything ever again. And let's be honest about it. It wasn't a great loss, never listening to the Lost Prophets again. But I don't want to cheapen, you know, a serious point about, you know, a really, really awful, awful crime or series of crimes. But somehow, if these things happened centuries ago, we just seem to be able to just roll with it, don't we? Well, um, if Ian Watkins was Picasso, I think we'd be having a more complicated conversation. Fair comment, fair comment. Because um, I'll be honest with you, I, I never listened to them anyway. I couldn't name you one of their songs. To me, they were the only thing they're famous for is him. Yeah, well, my kids were big into them at the time. It was that generation. Um, and there was a couple of tracks, Rooftops, and there was another thing they did, Last Train Home. Um, yeah, they were very big amongst my two sons at the time. You know, right. they um, and then obviously, I mean, the whole depravity of the man was, you know, we're a few years down the line from these particular tracks. This was early 2000, 2002, something like that, 2003. And I really did quite like these two. You know, the kids were into them. They were always nagging to have them play when we're out in the car on day trips and so on and so forth. Um, and if they'd ever come on the radio in the in the years following when I was on my own, it was like, oh, that's great, because it always reminded me of time with my sons mm. and how much they liked it. Mm. Ruined, ruined, cannot listen to it. But hear it come on the radio now, got to switch it off. It just re I, revolts I, I'm me. I'm going to try and refocus you here, because how is that political? Sorry, we were talking, weren't we, about can we separate out the art from the artist? Right. So what we've got here with Ian Watkins, we've got a crime, we've got we've got a pattern of depravity which strikes at our very humanity. And I don't think that's a pretentious way of putting it. I think we all collectively share an absolute loathing and unconditional detestation mm. for child abuse in any in any mm -hmm. form. Yeah. But people will quite happily listen to Jailbait by Ted Nugent, the song I mentioned earlier. People I, will quite happily I don't play get Michael Jackson records on the radio 24-7 and play them at Christmas and play them at their birthday parties, but you can't play Gary Glitter. Now, you could say, well, Gary Glitter was convicted and Michael Jackson wasn't. Give me a fucking break. So 
I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to rein it back into politics. Yeah, of course. And I'm going to say, um, uh, on a positive side, um, one record, for instance, there was more than one, but in the rock realm, uh, one record that uh, made me think a lot about a certain politics was when um, Steve Van Zandt, little Stephen, yeah, yeah. did the Sun City Oh, God bless album. him. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was what a fa- Ain't going to play Sun City. Yes. And this at a time, which I wasn't aware that of. That was a at massively brave, brave thing to do then. And this is when Elton John is playing South Africa. Yeah. Rod Stewart. Yeah. Black Sabbath. Yeah. Queen. Queen. Yeah. St. Freddie. Yeah. Played Sun City again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and suddenly this record comes out. And, and, and not only was it catchy. But the album was pretty fucking good, it too. It was, it was. There was a track on that Silver and Gold I used yeah, to love. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that actual anthemic title track, I think, really did resonate in, in a way that, uh, I'm not saying for everybody, but certainly for me, at a time in my life when I was at best apolitical, mm-hmm. um, Ain't Gonna Play Sun City. And it made me kind of think about it. You Absolutely. Know, they go, oh, music that makes you think. You kind of think, well, all music makes you No, it doesn't. Some of it does. And that one really did make me think. I mean, you've, you're there at the central point, I think, of the discussion. You know, it should it have been the case. Should artists, you know, sing about politics? And, you know, and we've talked, we, we, when we introduced this particular podcast the idea was that we you know there's all these mad crazy you know trump lumpers keep you know keep politics out of music yada 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 you know um i actually think that if you are not just an artist but if you're a sportsman if you're a celebrity if you are if you've got any sort of platform i almost think i'd even go so far to in fact no fuck it i will i think these people have an obligation to do something positive with their platform I really do believe that. You're in a position of massive privilege. Great example, Marcus Rashford. Yeah, yeah. Working class. For people yep. listening in America, a premiership footballer with Manchester United, young black man, came from a very poor single mum family. Absolutely. Uh, so take it from there. Yeah, and basically shamed, you know, a, a, a government of eaten rifles, of privileged toffs, um, shamed them into feeding starving children. Because there was a moment, um, was it in 2020? Or, I think it was 2020. Yeah, like right in the yes, middle of right, the whole pandemic yeah. thing. Uh, free school, school meals, meals for children in poverty. Absolutely. And our wonderful government, who I called cunts and have been banned from Twitter for it, <laughs> um, decided no, they wouldn't feed, they wouldn't provide free school meals for children in poverty. Um, uh, obviously, out, outside of the school term, that's so right. A lot the of holidays, yeah, and yeah, we're opening them up um, as or effectively de facto, you know, food kitchens for children. And the government, like, well, no, you're not getting any money for that. Uh, These kids are not getting free school meals. Yada yada yada. Uh, and, and so Rashford, who was probably what 21, 22 at the time, yeah, who had himself benefited from free, free school, school meals, meals as a child in poverty, yeah, literally came out and said, "Well, I'll do it." Yeah, I'll uh, raise money, give money. Yep, and you saw him down there actually helping carry Absolutely. the food in and top work. I mean, this is a guy who knows where he's come from, hasn't forgotten where he's come from, and wants to put something back into the place from which he came. I think that's admirable, and I think when artists do something like that, like Stephen Van Zandt, when people are prepared to go out on a limb to 
address a, a, an obvious ethical wrong, then I think that's admirable. I really do. No, absolutely. And and uh, next thing in the papers, it's got Boris Johnson ringing him personally. <laughs> You're thinking, you fucking, what a wanker! What a slime honestly. ball! Yeah. PR. Oh shit! This guy's getting. I have getting, been. Yeah. This guy's got a halo, and we look like cunts. Yeah. So I tell you what, we'll make it. We'll make a story about how I rang him and thanked him. And then wasn't there a second round, like six or nine months later, yeah, where they did it all did it again, again? And Rashford, Rashford had to again. come out again and say, yeah. actually, no. Yeah. I mean, to be to Marcus Rashford's credit, I thought it was good that he showed some restraint because had I been him, I'd have phoned Keir Starmer up and say, look, I'm a world-class international football player. I haven't got fucking time to do your job as well. Can you get off your arse and do it, please? But, you know, we're drifting uh, again. Well, I I think that's what made Rashford exceptional and in, incontrovertible. You couldn't dispute his his uh, the the sincerity of his absolutely because he deliver. I don't. He definitely did not do any mudslinging. No, he didn't try and position himself in any way other than I was a poor kid. Free school meals yep. absolutely saved me. It was a one hot meal ice to get every yep. day. I want children to have that. Yep. It's like you were saying earlier. Who, who can? Who can? Whether you're a parent or not, we've all been children. Yeah. You and I uh, have been poor. Yeah. You know, we don't come absolutely. from rich backgrounds. Who would deny a poor child some food at the same time as the government's giving billions to their mates? Yeah. Mm. To come up with. You know PPE that doesn't exist and track and trace that doesn't exist and yeah we're now going to go down a rabbit hole yeah. if we're not careful. Yeah. So let, let's finish this one by asking you, Harry. Um, who are the musicians today that we can identify as being um, politically interesting or, 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 or you know you can identify them as 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 putting out a political message? I mean. Someone like Springsteen likes to see himself that way. I'm, I'm, I don't know where I stand on that, but I, I'm not a big Springsteen fan anyway. But uh, who else is there? Who, who is out there? Well, I mean, we've mentioned the Manic Street Preachers and, mm. and, and people like that. I'm not really aware of anything new coming up um, that, that, that seems to me to be particularly political that is of interest. Um, I think the most thought-provoking stuff from a political sense is coming out, uh, is coming from the black community, you know. Um, it's not music, on a purely artistic level, on a pure, you know, aesthetic, it isn't music that I particularly care to listen to. Um, but I am quite fond of reading the lyrics. Um, these people have got a lot of interesting things to say. Um, and I don't think, you know, historically I think all art some really interesting art, really provocative art has come from some of the most oppressed sections of communities, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I don't think there's any surprise, really, that some of the most political stuff is coming from the black community. It's definitely worth checking out. But rock and metal, it's weird to me how often we now see, you know, what was once the great rebellion of the 50s and the 60s now taking positions which is really reinforcing the status quo. I mean, Bloodstock was embroiled in this whole, you know, Farago a few weeks ago uh, because one of the organisers said something that was perceived to be 
discriminatory. Again, just to yeah. clear up for people that, that aren't from Britain, that, right. that Bloodstock is a well-known heavy, hardcore heavy metal festival here in the UK. That's right, Bloodstock Open Air. Um, yeah, um, one of the organisers was perceived to have made discriminatory co- uh, comments about trans people. Um, and the resulting Ferrari, it was bizarre to see, you know, people that just 10, 15 years ago actually did stand a chance of being beaten up in public simply by virtue of how they looked and the length of their hair, reinforcing bigotry, you know, and, you know, an intolerance and almost, you know, a, a proactive hatred of, of, of another minority. That just seems bizarre to me. Um as I say, given where rock and roll came from, its antecedents were all anti-establishment. There's a trend, I think, in rock and metal circus uh, circles these days for it to have turned into its opposite. But definitely, you know, black artists, I think, is where some of the most thought-provoking stuff is coming from. Yeah, I agree. And on that note, Harry, I'm going to thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through this. My Absolutely pleasure. Absolutely fascinating. My pleasure, Mick. And I look forward to you coming back on and venting again happy days cheers harry cheers mick selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How do I stop this, Fern?